earlier this year as the reality of the pandemic set in and the full extent of this crisis became more and more clear to each of us, the thought that kept coming into my mind was, Lord, this can't happen. This can't happen. You can't be serious, Lord. I have way too many plans, too many expectations, too much else going on for this to happen right now. Seminary can't end like this. Ordination plans can't go on with all of this. This cannot happen. But it was happening. The sheer shock of how much changed in an instant for all of us was overwhelming. And perhaps you also struggled or are still struggling with that kind of broken disbelief. God forbid, Lord, this can't be real. This can't be happening. That's how Peter responded in our gospel this weekend. After Jesus told his closest disciples that he was going to suffer greatly, be crucified, and kill. Peter takes Jesus politely aside, or so it seems, and then he starts to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. Lord, this can't happen. How often have we done this with the Lord? Whether it was with this pandemic, or politics, or or some other difficulty or crisis or tragedy in our lives, whether it's, it's big or small, haven't we at some point or another taken our loving Lord aside and tell him, Lord, what are you doing? Don't you understand? This can't happen. As he responded to Peter, so our Lord responds to us. Get behind me, Satan, which means enemy, adversary. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. The original Greek phrase can literally be translated, You are like a little tripping stone in my way, Peter. And that's really hard for us to hear. It's really hard. But what Jesus says to us is always said in love. Think of it this way. When Jesus says, you're in my way, Peter, you're my enemy, get out of my way. Well, where is Jesus going? To the cross. Jesus is on the way to lay down his life out of love for Peter, for you and me, for the entire world. Why would Peter want to get in the way of that mission? Why would he ever try to dissuade God from saving him? Well, because from Peter's point of view, and from ours, suffering and dying on a cross does not look like winning. It looks like losing. And so there's something really understandable about Peter's basic instinct here. 
dying does look like losing. And how could Jesus ever lose? He is, after all, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter just confessed this amazing truth, and he was praised for it, applauded for it. We heard it last weekend on Sunday. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father has. Therefore you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will never prevail against this church. This church will never lose. And yet, Jesus immediately begins to tell them, very soon I will suffer. Very soon I will die on a cross. Very soon it will look like I am losing. And Peter just cannot wrap his head around that vision, that plan. Later in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus is betrayed, as he predicted, Peter again will try to get in the way. He will again become an obstacle, a little tripping stone, this time with a sword. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. And he chops off a guy's ear. In other words, I won't let this happen, Lord. You can't die. And our Lord replies pretty emphatically, Oh, yes, I can, Peter. In fact, I must. Put that sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? I have come to do his will, not mine. I have come to put sin to death in me. So let me go, Peter. Let me go and die. Don't hold me back. Don't be an obstacle to your salvation. My brothers and sisters, what swords are we still holding in our hands? Do we somewhere still think that it's up to us to prevent suffering and pain in our own lives or in the lives of the people that we love? Christ replies to you and me both, put your sword away. Shall I not drink this chalice? I want to drink it in and through you. I have your best interest at heart, even if it's painful. Trust me. And here we come to a really central Christian mystery. Jesus died for us. Yes, absolutely. But he did not die for us so that we would never have to die. Jesus suffered for us, not so that we would never have to suffer. And maybe we hear that really difficult truth and respond like the prophet Jeremiah does in our first reading. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. Somewhere along the line, Christianity kind of got mistaken for a feel-good religion, an opiate for the people. And some people do come to church to feel nice about themselves and about life. And when they don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling, when they don't get anything out of church, then they just leave. Or maybe they go and try finding another church where they do get that feeling. 
It would be easy to ignore the cross and stop preaching it, but it becomes a fire in our bones, like with Jeremiah. And that truth that becomes a fire in our bones is this. On the cross, Jesus did not eliminate pain. He united himself with our pain. He is Emmanuel, God with us, with us in our suffering, with us in our heartaches, in our grief, in our pandemics, in our political turmoil, in our family struggles. He wants to be an intimate part of everything that we are going through. God is with us. So the question for us becomes, are we with God? Are we uniting every aspect of our lives with Jesus on the cross? And that's what St. Paul is getting at in our second reading this week. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, unite your sufferings, your very death, to the one sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Place all of your anxieties, all of your fears, every single trial that you are carrying, put all of that on that marble altar where the passion of Christ is revealed to us under the appearance of bread and wine. It's right there on that altar that the priest gathers up all of your spiritual sacrifices and he hands them over to God. And then, on your behalf, he lifts up the broken host, saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who suffered for us. Behold him who suffers with us. He has triumphed over sin and death. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. It's not easy to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's not easy to hang on a cross. But without the cross, there is no resurrection. So whatever you happen to be going through right now, maybe your knee-jerk reaction is, God forbid, Lord, this can't happen. Jesus understands intimately. But know this also. The Lord is constantly inviting us to lean in, to take up our cross, and then follow him. He wants to carry the cross in us. He wants to die in us. Lose your life to the infinite God who infinitely loves you. Trust him, and he will give you nothing less than resurrection. 